Jackson State loses their defensive coordinator, and I have the two biggest negative impacts that it'll have on JSU. Oh, yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And don't forget, I am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Make it locked on HBCU, your first listen of the day every day. And when the mic cuts off, the journey isn't over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your business. And that's why LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions do apply. We'll wrap up today's episode with a look at the SWAC men's basketball standings, but specifically Texas Southern's unique standing within those. Before that, we'll look at the main event of SWAC women's basketball, at least, and that is Jackson State versus the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. This game is two night. I cannot wait. But one thing we have to get to before we get to that is Jackson State has lost their defensive coordinator. And I have the two biggest negative impacts that it'll have on the team. Jonathan Bradley is reportedly going to South Alabama to be their defensive line coach. So he's currently the defensive coordinator at Jackson State. He's going to South Alabama to be their defensive line coach. It does feel like we've had quite a few HBCU coaches, whether that's head coach, coordinators, it feels like we've seen quite a few leave to be positional coaches on uh I think I think South Alabama is a group of five schools. So um on an FBS level, it does feel like we've had quite a few of that happening, but that's not the biggest takeaway. The biggest takeaway is what impact will this have on Jackson State? And it's hard to imagine it being a positive impact, but let's get specific about how it negatively impacts the team. Now when we're looking at Bradley's departure, the biggest blow to me is not even on the X's and O's. It's the timeline that has happened. And this is February 12th, right? We're looking at February 12th. It happened a couple of days ago. Let's just say early February to leave it at a range instead of being specific. Early February, I don't know what kind of replacement you're getting for him. I think that your sample size is now limited. Of course, you would never want to lose him, right? Because he's been impactful for you. And that'll be the biggest blow or the second biggest blow that we'll look at then. And that's the biggest blow on the field. But right now, it's simply looking at the timing of it. On a positive side, if you want to look at the silver lining, you do 
have the opportunity to get your recruiting class in. So you did get that. But on the negative side, I don't know how many guys who you would want. Like, I mean, if you just had a vacancy, I want that guy. You'll take a lot of people, but I want that one. I don't know how many of those would still be on the market. I don't know how many of those haven't already either settled into where they're going to be or already got picked up by somebody else. So that's a very negative thing because, yes, you're losing Bradley and that is going to be a tough blow on your team. But at the same time, you could replace Bradley. Had he left in December, you could replace Bradley with another guy that you were excited about. I just don't know if that happens. I think that you're probably looking at either upgrading a positional coach or maybe taking somebody who was a co-defensive coordinator, kind of similar to how Bradley was. He was a co-D coordinator at Alcorn, and then you brought him in to be a defensive coordinator himself. So maybe you're able to do that, give somebody some sort of promotion, or maybe you're looking on the D2 level and saying, we like what they've done with their defense, and we're going to take that defense coordinator and get him there. I don't know if you get a lateral move. And by that, I mean, I don't know if you can go steal another FCS school's defensive coordinator. Maybe you could have earlier, but I don't know if that happens now. I'll say it's a decent chance. I won't rule it out, but I think it's less likely than a positional coach, a co-defensive coordinator, or a D2 defensive coordinator. And we're looking at Jonathan Bradley, who has left Jackson State or is reportedly leaving Jackson State to go be the South Alabama defensive line coach. It's a return to a PWI, and he hasn't done that in about a decade. He graduated from Arkansas State. Then he went and coached there after his uh, four-year NFL career. And then ever since his two years at Arkansas State, he's been North Carolina Central, UAPB, Alcorn, Jackson State. He's been an HBCU guy for pretty much the past decade when looking at his resume from Jackson State's own um, athletic website. But here comes the biggest blow is that when you look at those places, He's been very good at rushing the passer. You saw it for Jackson State last year where they were third in the conference with 29 sacks. They had 29 sacks in 11 games. So you're looking at a team that knew how to rush the passer. They also knew how to stop the run. For a long time, specifically at the beginning of the season, I would refer to Jackson State's defensive line as the tone setter, as the face of the team. That's how I felt because they were so impactful. To me, they stood out more than anybody in the beginning of the T.C. Taylor era. So that's what I was looking at. And when you're looking at Bradley, who was a defensive coordinator and defensive line coach, you have to credit that to him. So you're looking at a guy who was the leader of the tone setters of your team. That's a big blow. Once again, I did look at the timing of it. And yes, people are replaceable. But also the X's and O's are going to be a difficult thing. It's not as if he landed in Jackson State, was able to stumble across some pass rush success either. This is something that he's been doing. Alcorn, they rushed the passer very well. When he was there, they were third in the conference in, in sacks then too. You look at UAPB when he was the co-defense coordinator in spring 2021. Actually, I think he was just a defensive coordinator in general in spring 2021. Led the conference in sacks. His ability to get sacks at multiple locations tells me that as long as he was the defensive coordinator at Jackson State, they were going to continue to get sacks. So that's the biggest on-field blow. Off the field, I think that the timeline is like, dang, I wish I could have been active a little earlier. I wish I could have got in and interviewed some people a little bit earlier. That wasn't the case. 
on the field, it's their ability to turn pass rush pressures into sacks and him to do that in a consistency or with consistency in multiple locations. But that explains why he's now at South Alabama as their defensive line coach. As we push forward, we're going to keep it out there in Jackson, Mississippi. We're going to look at the Jackson State women's basketball team because this is the game that I have been waiting for all season. Jackson State, UAPB, number one versus number two, Monday night. We'll explore this matchup as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And, and listen, I was just talking about how you go out there and you interview some candidates. I'm sure they wouldn't have minded to go on LinkedIn a couple of weeks, maybe even a month or two earlier. But unfortunately, that's not what Jackson State was able to do. That's what you need to do as soon as you get your job opening. I'm speaking to all of my small business owners. If you have a job opening, whether it opened up last week or if it opened up yesterday or maybe you think it's about to open up, then prepare yourself to go on the LinkedIn because they have over 800 million. That's eight. 100 million people on LinkedIn. And with that, you can find the right fit for your team because it's not just about getting somebody. You can go bring me in to be a carpenter. Technically, I wouldn't be any use of you, though. So it's about getting the right fit. So go to LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. If you go to LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College, you can post your job for free and get one of the 800 million people because when it's that many you can't really tell me you wouldn't find the right fit. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked on Sports today. Even as I'm speaking, they're already rolling. Even as you're listening, they're already rolling because it's 24-7, all day, every day, first of its kind, 24-7 Sports Network on YouTube. Subscribe to Locked On Sports today. We've looked at Jackson State and their defensive coordinator, but now let's look at something that's a little bit bigger. Let's look at the Jackson State women's basketball team. When instead of just looking at one guy, we're looking at five women who are on the, on the court at one time. Jackson State versus UAPB is the game that everybody should have had circled at the beginning of this season. There was probably three teams that you had an eye on coming into SWAC play. You had Jackson State, you had Southern, and you had University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. Jackson State, as long as Coach Reed is there, you have to watch for them. I understand that they didn't win the whole thing last year, but they were the best team in that conference through the duration of the season. They just didn't happen to get it. That was Southern. They knocked them off in the conference tournament finals, right? That was a big upset to me, and they were the returning defending champions. Okay, but then you got UAPB, and I understand that UAPB just had an okay record last year, but allow me to introduce you to Zay Green. I don't need to say any more, but I will. That is the reason you should have had them circled. Everybody knows Jackson State. There's no need to question it. Everybody knows that. They've been dominant for four years, nearly half a decade. The Jackson State women's basketball team has been a dominant force in SWAC women's basketball. You look at Southern, defending champion. That immediately, that crown right there, what Southern was able to do in March 
the SWAC tournament, that immediately gave them the eyes of many people. But with UAPB, sometimes you need to justify because they were just okay last year. So coming into the season, it may not have seemed as if we needed to go ahead, you know, circle them. But no, coming into the season, you had Zay Green coming back from injury. You got to remember, she was a preseason SWAC player of the year, but she just missed that whole season due to injury. And then you also thought you would be seeing Star Jacobs, who was a major addition in the transfer portal. So nah. This was a team to watch. I don't care what the record said last year because Zay Green wasn't there. The driving force behind their team was not present last year. That's like you take the Super Bowl champions, take Patrick Mahomes off the team. Yeah, they probably not going to look that good the year that he misses the entire season. But, you know, next year you got to watch out for him. And that's how I feel about UAPB. Zay Green is on the court. I'm circling the team. I've seen Jackson State. I've seen UAPB. I've seen both of these teams face Southern W. I've seen them face Grambling because right now Grambling is actually third in the conference. They're ahead of Southern. See, when I said Southern Jackson State UAPB, I was talking preseason. But even if you want to bring in what has happened, what has transpired during the season, it's still Jackson State UAPB Southern Grambling. I've seen UAPB. I've seen Jackson State. Both of these teams have faced Grambling W. Now I get to watch Jackson State face UAPB, and this is the game that me personally I had always looked forward to. No disrespect to Southern, but from the beginning of the season, I wanted to see, at that time, I thought it was going to be Zay Green, Zay Green and Star Jacobs, but even though it's just Zay Green, nothing has, I haven't lost my luster or my desire to watch this against Jackson State, which is just a dominant force as a team. I need not to bring up any individuals. When you're looking at the tail of the tape, because to me, once again, Jackson State versus UAPB women's basketball is the main event of SWAC women's basketball. It's the one that I've always circled. It's that game, and it's here. It's the UAPB offense versus the Jackson State defense. That is the headliner to me. When you look at what, first off, you just look at scoring, right? This is the name of the game. Score points. Stop them. Nobody scores more points than UAPB. Nobody stops people from scoring points better than Jackson State. Do I need to go further? Probably not. But once again, I will. I'm looking at Zay Green, the individual. I told you preseason offensive or excuse me, preseason player of the year in 2023 prior to losing her season due to injury. Well, now she's came back in the 23 to 24 season and she's shown exactly why she is justified exactly why they wanted to make her the preseason all swag player of the year second in points first in assist fourth in rebounds best shooting percentage i haven't even gotten to the fact that she's involved in the mix for one of the best pickpockets in the conference having some of the most steals that's not even part of it because we're focusing on the offense we're focusing on the offense. Zay Green is a monster. She puts up buckets. She distributes to her team. She is the real deal. Now, it's not just her. UAPB also has two of the three best shooters from behind the arc in the conference. I think three and 11 in the rankings. Number three and number 11. But you look at Jackson State. Angel Jackson, the most blocked shots in the conference. Per game, you're looking at the fact that, okay, Zay Green drives in, Angel Jackson will be there. That'll be a matchup. You're looking at the outside perimeter. UAPB got a couple of real good shooters. Jackson State has the, 
and make sure I want to phrase it the right way. They allow the worst three-point shooting percentage against them. So, which that means they're the best defenders of the three-point shot. So you look at some of the strengths of UAPB versus the strengths of Jackson State, and it's there. Now, Jackson State scores too. That's the thing. Jackson State can score too. They can score and defend. UAPB has not defended that well. They're not one of the best scoring defenses in the conference. That's Jackson State at one. UAPB, I think, is below six, so technically below average, if I'm not mistaken. Jackson State, on the other hand, is an above average offensive team when it comes to scoring the ball. So this is going to be a phenomenal game. I cannot watch. I'm looking for Zay Green. I'm going to watch because she's the star, right? She's the star, but when you look at FAMU's leading score, and I bring her up because she's the leading scorer in the conference. Ariana Grizzle is the leading scorer in the conference, and she faced Jackson State. She dropped 29. She had herself a day. Jackson State still won that game by 19. I bring that up once again to bring it full circle to say Zay Green could have herself a day, but it's going to need to be the full team. It's going to need to be Beck. It's going to need to be players like Pete. You're going to need players to step up, not just offensively, but defensively. I don't care if Zay Green has a 20-point triple-double if it leads to a double-digit loss. And they won't either. This is going to be a crucial game. Jackson State is 10-0. UAPB is 8-2. So nothing's going to change in the standings. But this does feel like one of those games where it's like, okay, we fighting for power. And we're going to see who is going to be the leader or the guy or the, the gal, I guess I should say, who's going to be the woman after this game so i cannot wait i cannot wait but as we push forward we want to keep it in the swag texas southern they have a unique standing within men's basketball they're very unlike any other team that we actually consider couldn't make the tournament and i'll explain that in really greater depth as we continue with locked on hbcu Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Now, who's still betting against 15? Who's still betting against Mahomes? This was, in my opinion, a really fun Super Bowl. I enjoyed it. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. This was good. Did you put some money on, on Jennings having a, a receiving touchdown and a passing touchdown? You'd probably be a millionaire because uh, those odds were probably out of the roof. What about Christian McCaffrey scoring a touchdown? Did you think that Travis Kelsey was going to score one? These are all things that I think were probably popular bets outside of Jennings. That was just something in the framework of the game. And then how many touchdowns did you think Patrick Mahomes is going to have? Did you think Patrick Mahomes is going to be Super Bowl MVP? These are great, just like the game. Hopefully you were able to make a little bit of money. And if it were new to FanDuel, or maybe you haven't done it yet and you will be new to FanDuel, put down a $5 bet and win, you get $200 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. The Super Bowl is over, but NBA is here, so you still have chances to win. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. 
thank you. I'm feeling good in my purple tracksuit, man. This is a good episode. I'm feeling happy. And I say this because I now get to bring up my alma mater. I now get to wrap up what already I knew was going to be a fun episode by speaking about my school in the sport that we are very good at. I don't get to do this for football a lot, but for basketball, I get to often bring this up. So let's look at Texas Southern because they have a unique standing in the SWAC. And I know this has been a heavy SWAC show. Today's like that. I don't know if tomorrow will be like that. But the MEAC doesn't play. The MEAC Monday night was so wild last week. They said, you know what? We're just going to take a whole week and a half off. And then you guys can play next Saturday. So because of that, we're more swack heavy in the beginning of the week because there's no MEAC games to look forward to. There'll be no MEAC games to recap. So I don't know how much we'll look at the MEAC. We'll probably look at the SIAC or excuse me, the, the SIAC. Um, I'm going to try to work that one out. But we'll probably look at some SIAC basketball as well in that beginning part. And we may lean a little bit towards the MEAC late in the season. Late in the week, excuse me. But right now, we on that swag. We on that swag right now. And what's unique about Texas Southern is not only their placement between the good teams, the teams that they've beaten, but then also they're the only person that doesn't have a running mate in the swag when you look at the standings. Everybody else has a buddy partner. When we look at them out driving, right? Everybody has somebody, at least one team that's passenger with them. Look at Southern. Or you look at Grambling, who's won, right? Because they did beat Southern. They got Southern riding passenger, though. Them Louisiana boys riding down 10 together. You look at after Texas Southern, because Texas Southern is at number three by themselves. You now look at Bethune-Cookman, who's riding around with Alabama State at six and four. Jackson State got back in the win column, and they're sitting at five and five. You got UAP and Alcorn. So UAPB and Alcorn, excuse me. You got PV and Alabama A&M riding together at four and six. So every time you go down a number, it's a team and somebody else tied with them. So you can often talk about tiebreakers. But when you look at Texas Southern, the talk of tiebreakers is if this happens, then they'll be involved in this tiebreaker. But where they currently stand, they're one of the only they're the only team that's actually driving on the way to Birmingham. The only team that's actually on the road to a SWAC tournament berth that doesn't have somebody passenger, doesn't have a riding pass a partner. You look at Valley, you look at FAMU, like Valley hasn't won a game all year, conference or non-conference. They've lost 23 straight. I wonder who's going to be, if anybody, going to be the team that loses to them. Who's going to be, because Jackson State just got right. We were talking about how Jackson State got back in the win column. They faced Valley. That's a get-right game. It's a get-right game, and I can say that with confidence because TSU ain't about to face Valley today. They have a game tonight against Bethune-Cookman, but let's focus on TSU because that's the matter at hand at the moment. Texas Southern is in a unique position because comfort-wise, I have absolutely no doubt that they are going to make the tournament. I don't, and there's only three teams I feel that way about, Southern, Grambling, and TSU. Any other team could falter. Only eight teams are going to make it. The first team who's out has six losses. So you're looking at PV and who was that that I said was with PV? PV and Alabama A&M. They're both at four and six. Well, five and five ain't far. Six and four ain't far. Eight games left. I could see them, see one of those teams 
making up or just a team in general, right? I could see a team making up a two-point deficit or two-game deficit in eight games. That's not unreasonable to me. But that three just feels a little bit – I just don't feel like it's going to happen. So I do feel like even if they struggle, even if they get to limping, I don't believe that they fall far enough to remove themselves from the tournament. I just That's just doubtful to me. I don't see that type of fall happening. Mathematically, it could, but there's a lot of things that would need to happen, and I don't think those lot of things happen. All right? So they're very comfortable, but I would understand if you're not ready to put them with Southern and Grambling because – when you look at who they've beaten, they're three and three against teams that have either a 500 record or better split with Grambling and Southern. They knocked off Grambling, but they lost to Southern. You look at some of the other games that they lost in their current mind you, they're currently three and three against teams who are five and five or better. They lost to UAPB. They lost to Jackson State. So it's kind of tough because this game against Bethune Cookman is a measuring stick of sort for them. I'm not going to change my parameters because of my educational connection. When you're a good team, we talk about you based on how you perform against good teams. That's no different for Texas Southern. So being three and three against teams with a 500 or better record. All right. We want to see them have a winning record, especially if you're third in the conference. They currently have four games that they've won in a row. Second hottest, only second to Graham or to Southern who has won five in a row. So, this game right here, I believe, will determine perception-wise how Texas Southern is discussed. I believe that. I don't know if it puts them up there with Grambling and Southern for many people. I don't hear that chatter. Maybe it does, though. Maybe beating Bethune Cook, me like, all right, you didn't beat enough good squads. You beat one of the two best records in the conference. Maybe we're ready to say it's three of y'all in that class. I don't know. Not what I'm concerned about. Overall, Texas Southern is very comfortable with where they are, but I do believe they have some proving to do, and they'll be able to do that tonight. So we're primarily previewing games, whether that's Jackson State versus UAPB women's basketball, or if that's Texas Southern and Bethune-Cookman, very briefly. We're not previewing the game, but I have briefly previewed the importance of it to the Tigers. So I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. Thank you. I mean that sincerely. Thank you for real. Now, in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.